Hello and welcome to episode two of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio, and I'm the baby boomer of the trio. Our Gen X member of the posse is Matt Burns, a key staffer at the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. And our millennial is Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports and WJSZ Radio. Well, fellas, here we are. It's our episode two, and we got a ton of stuff we can get into, especially in college football, the failure by Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Michigan State rolls in the holiday holiday bowl game. Where do you guys want to start? I mean, I think right there with Michigan. What, what the heck happened? Well, you know, I've been a big believer in Jim Harbaugh. I really have been. But uh, after watching that debacle in the Outback Bowl, I mean, and, and you look at the stats all year long. This is big-time college football. Nine touchdown passes. That's nine touchdown passes for an entire season? What happened to the, the the guru of quarterbacks? So what I, I what just bothers me about this whole thing is like why does everyone care so much? Like I, I hate the Big Ten acting like oh the seven and zero record you guys ruined the record. Like people do people not realize that we are like so the Big Ten didn't get anyone in the playoff right? But the SEC has two teams, so it's like our our number one team it would be playing like it would be matching up with like the number three SEC team. Like we're just like by not having anyone in the playoff, I don't get where people say like. Oh, we are proving a point with these bowl games. Like, no, these bowl games, I've already forgotten about them. I yeah, don't care. Yeah, they're nothing games, really, a lot of them for sure. And then it's all about the matchups. I agree with you. The SEC has two teams in the national championship. They deserve it. You know, we're here in Big Ten country, but when you watch SEC football. Different speed. Different speed by, by far. Now, yeah, they got some weak sisters in that league as well. But uh, the top tier of the SEC is definitely head and shoulders, I think, of the top tier of the, the top teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that it would have been cool if the Big Ten went undefeated in the bowl, in the bowl season. But like you said, it, what does it really matter when Big Ten didn't have one team that made the college football playoffs? So, so yeah, it would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been that big of a deal a year from now, two years from now. No one would have remembered. Oh, yeah, I remember back in 2017, 2018, Big Ten went 8-0 in the bowl season. Like, no one would have cared. Don't, didn't you think when the Big Ten went 7-0 and that Michigan was going to lose? Didn't you have that feeling? I mean, I, I did. I, thought, I even told my wife, I said, oh, it's over. You know, 7-0 and and Michigan's the last team to play. They're going to lose. Yeah, that's just our luck. It is. Especially with them going up against an SEC team. You know, everything is right now a lot about is Big Ten better than the SEC, you know, all that kind of thing. You know, you got Harbaugh against Muschamp, and it's, yep, Harbaugh's going to blow it. He's going to be that guy that everyone's going to keep saying he's overrated because he can't win these, these big games. Yeah, what do you think really went on in that game? I mean, it was it was just a bizarre game that they blew, obviously, but uh, what happened in that second half, and why couldn't they get it under control? It looked like Muschamp maybe did out-coach, you know, That's Harbaugh. That's Muschamp. <laughs> <laughs> he's a classic guy. Oh, he was going nuts on the sideline. He He's insane, and like it, we talked to him on, on the Feinbaum show today, and and other throughout the season, we interviewed him on, on different shows. And in interviews, he's so, like, cool, calm, you know, like, you wouldn't think that the guy that you see on the sidelines is the same guy as the guy in interviews. Yeah, well, I, th- I think you need a little bit of that. And I, I was disappointed to see Harbaugh not showing hardly any emotion, at least from what I saw on television. And 
I mean, they just they just had a big dud. And obviously, Peters, he didn't state claim for the quarterback job for next year at all when he had it right in front of him there to to really be the leader going into camp. I mean, come on, Shea Patterson can't get there any sooner than possible. See, but what I, what what bothers me about that these wide receivers, although they're they're young, they they're terrible. I mean, they're they're flat out terrible. Yeah, <laughs> that's one takeaway I had. Where where the wide receivers, like like you said, they are young and. You know, it is a big difference jumping from high school to college, obviously. But to an extent, it's still running routes and catching footballs. I mean, it's still the same thing. Like, And they're, they just don't look Michigan. They don't look like they have elite playmakers. And whether you're a freshman or whether you're a senior, you, you can see that in kids, that they're going to be like a, an elite playmaker. And it just doesn't look like they have that right now. So hopefully some of these kids develop in the offseason. You know, did you guys check at all uh, and, and catch before the game that a couple of their starting linemen didn't start their offensive linemen and also uh, Ty Isaac was out of the game? I tried to do some, some research. I couldn't find out any reasons why they didn't see any action. Did you hear anything from where you're at, Matt, or Jared? Yeah, I read a little bit. I think the Ty Isaac thing, I think he just he was a little banged up and he is wanting to um, he's wanting to go to the combine and go to the pros. So I think he just held out. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was going to see significant time anyway. So I think he just held out to, to stay healthy. But but the linemen, I didn't really see much on that. And it, it was kind of strange because they were a little banged up at the end of the year. But you would think with a month off and everything that they would have got healthy. So so that was a little strange. But I think that's where a lot of Michigan problems start is with the offensive line. Harbaugh's offense is so much about establishing the line of scrimmage, establishing the run, and then working the pass off of that. And the offensive line is just terrible all year. Well, let me ask you guys this, too. I started to bring it up at the beginning, and, you know, I, I was a huge Harbaugh guy when they were able to bring him in. Obviously, this first year or so, they were doing pretty good. This year, definitely a step backwards, and this is a year where a lot of his players really are supposed to be stepping up, you know. There's the, some of the leftovers are getting weeded out now. I'm finally seeing some cracks in, in the Harbaugh way. What are your your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I when you're when you start running uh, like fullback dives to tight ends, yeah. That's I mean, that's the definition of just like we're trying too hard to like. Just, like I mean, just like what's going on? Yeah, seriously. I so I feel like I mean, people are saying here saying like I mean, obviously they expected this year to kind of be like the leaping point. It's kind of, it was, that's kind of how it's been for coaches really everywhere. I mean, Washington's coach, right? His third year, they he made a big joke, a uh, big jump. Chris Peterson, same way with. Uh, James Franklin at Penn State this year was his third year. He made right. a big jump. But, I mean. Dan, D'Antonio made a big jump in his third year. Exactly. But if you would have told me, I mean, remember the team that he inherited. What were they, 6-5 and five and 7 that, that last year with Brady Hoke? Yeah. And he flips, just because he was so good, he was able to flip it around so quick that people expected too much too soon, I think. Well, they, that, and then they also bought into the Harbaugh mojo, you know. And also, if you look at what's happened throughout his career, it seems like year three or four. He wears out his welcome wherever he's at. I hope that's not the case. I hope I'm wrong, but, man, I, that game really bummed me out. No, I, I would be real surprised if, you know, people are starting to ask, man, if Michigan goes 8-4 and four again next year, Harbaugh going to be on the hot seat? I'd be real surprised if Harbaugh got put on the hot seat in Ann Arbor anytime soon. Just, cause, just because of all that, like you just mentioned, all the love that he had coming in, I think it would take – a good three, four, five years of 
not beating Ohio State, not winning big bowls, not winning the Big Ten, for him to be put on the hot seat. Ooh, I don't know. I disagree myself. I mean, next year they've got Notre Dame on the road they open up with. They play at Michigan State. They play at Ohio State. If they go 8-4 and four again and lose to Ohio State and Michigan State, you don't think he'll be on the hot seat? Well, what is the hot seat? Like, what are you saying? So, one more year after that of like the same sort of. I'm just saying there's going to be there's going to be a lot of pressure by the fans that they maybe they need to make a change. Michigan fans are so stupid. (laughs) That's just what it comes down to. I don't know who would get that any better. I mean, Rich Rod's on the market. Oh yeah, we could always try Rich Rod. Bring him in, offensive coordinator, right? I'm not sure if he's really going to be on the market anytime soon. He might be somewhere else in a few months. Yeah, no doubt. By the way, did you see they've, they hired or they've, they've offered Dan Enos a job? Did you catch that? Did they really? Yeah. Yeah. Offered him the offensive coordinator position, or, or they're really talking to him about it. Right, right. I don't know if they offered him the offensive coordinator, but right. uh, I would think that'd be the job they're talking to him about. That's what he was at at Arkansas. This he was is at, at Arizona or Michigan? At Michigan. Oh, Michigan. my God. Yep. That's yeah, a bad move right there. Of, That's today's news, man. Straight from Arkansas. That is not good. Yeah, he was seeing That was the most bland. I remember watching them a couple times, like Cooper Rush. That was the most bland run it on first down, run it on second down, throw it on third down offense I've ever seen. Stay tuned. Hey, that, sounds, that sounds right up Harbaugh's alley, right? Yeah, it does. Wow. Well, we'll see what's going to happen down in Ann Arbor. I mean, it, it was a disappointing season for sure at 8-5. and five. I, I expected a lot better after watching the first couple of games, especially what they did to Florida. The defense was right there where they need to be. I, I, and I think they're still solid defensively, but, you know, let's hope Patterson's the answer or McCaffrey or Peters steps up, but they got to get better play out of the quarterback position without a doubt. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. This team was really young. It's not excuses at all. Like the the, the receivers and and some of the other players were pretty young. I do think, though, kind of like what we were talking about. I I don't think Harbaugh would be on the hot seat if they kind of have a, a rough year next year. But I think next year is another one that they need to start winning some big games because they're basically only losing a couple players on defense. Most of the offense is coming back. The quarterback situation needs to be figured out. But so a lot of guys are coming back, and next year's team is going to be experienced and with some some good players. So next year, tough schedule or not, they need to start winning some big games on the road. Well, that's the bottom line right there. I'm going to tell you right now. If they if they get swept again by Michigan State and Ohio State. He's on my hot seat. I don't care. You got to win those games. You got to at least win one of those games. I don't think you're. These athletes are so bad. These wide receivers. I'm not <laughs> back to the wide receivers. I, I can't get over these wide receivers and running backs. They're so bad. Same with the tight ends. Throw the tight ends in there too. I literally think Matt is faster. Was faster in high school than Donovan <laughs> Peoples Jones. Donovan Peoples Jones is so damn slow. My goodness. Hey, well, we should give some uh, some equal time or almost equal time to Michigan State. Uh, you got to give D'Antonio a ton of credit turning that program around. Jared, I know you don't like me to say this, but 10-win uh, season for D'Antonio. You know, a win over Washington State, 42-17. Uh, to 17, But there is a little bit of a an asterisk behind that with their two starting wide receivers out, their uh, stud defensive linemen out for half the game, and their quarterback sitting out because of the combines. Kind of a tainted victory, but still an impressive year and a turnaround for D'Antonio. Agreed? I, I love D'Antonio, but it's... I mean, I saw a tweet earlier. It's like, so what? What someone? I don't remember. I can't. I wish I had. I couldn't find it. But I was. I, it just kind of made me chuckle. But what? What 2017 taught me is that a program can have like Jerry Sandusky type uh, 
allegations and go three and nine, but then uh, an off year for Michigan turns it all around and it's all forgotten. <laughs> well, wait a minute. The football program didn't have Jerry Sandusky allegations. Well, the university they had, did. They had a lot of like what was the? They had a lot of players. They had players in trouble, but you know like you, you can't. Com- well, okay, I guess I'll give you that. All right. When I think Jerry Sandusky uh, allegations, when you're comparing Michigan State, I think about the gymnastics doctor. Uh, yeah, the doctor. Yeah. Right. What do you think about the Spartans this year, Matthew? I mean, I guess the same. I, I, it's impressive that that they were able to turn it around like that, especially since this was again supposed to be a rebuilding year. So, I, I think it just shows. I've said all along on on the sports forum and other and other shows that D'Antonio is. I think he's underrated somehow, even though he's been so good at Michigan State. I think he's still an underrated coach, and and it's just impressive what he's been able to do there. I think I agree with you. Nationally, I would think he is underrated. And you look at his record, I mean, it's been unbelievable in the last six or seven years. He's doing it with smaller recruits. He's not getting these top five, the, the classes that Georgia and Alabama are getting. He's just getting, he's getting a couple big recruits, but otherwise he's getting two and three stars, and he's turning them into really good football players. Yeah, he's obviously a good motivator, and he does play that uh, little sister thing, I think, pretty well in the locker room. You know, I mean, he's, he, he can motivate those kids to play, and they, and they play hard. They do. All right, guys, now what do we think? Let's, you know, we're, we're mostly a Michigan-oriented show, our three-point podcast, three different generations all from the same town, but we got to look at the big national championship picture, you know. Um, how about those games on New Year's Day, first of all? Incredible or what? At least, for sure, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I think I, I talked. I was talking to you about this before the show, but I think I kind of got the uh, sports gambling uh, itch now. Ah, I th- so I just uh, just kind of you know, th- money's of no issue to me. Through <laughs> through fifty through fifty dollars on a parlay for the uh, Alabama Georgia game, tripled my money just like that. Wow, one hundred fifty fifty dollars on Bama's Bama's going to cover minus four this week. Is this an offshore account you're dealing with, or what? Uh, my bookie. MyBookie.ag. I was going to say, do you use Sportsbook.ag or do you have something else? When I was watching them, or I was listening to them too, but um, I was just thinking the whole time that also thinking of the the Michigan game and watching that putrid offense. I was watching watching these games and thinking, Michigan is so far away from where these teams are at. Yep. Offensively and Michigan's defense is, is for real, so I'm not taking anything away from them. But just like the, the playmaking and the speed and just everything, I was just like, this is what college football should be. <laughs> yeah, they don't have Donovan Peoples Jones running around for them. <laughs> That's for sure. You're hating on him. I, I work with I work with his cousins. What's his cousin? I don't even uh, want to yeah. know. What's his cousin have to say about that? About his uh, muff punt. That was pretty bad. Uh, he, I actually, I talked to him. I asked him about that. I was like, Did, "Has has Donovan ever worked on uh, returning punts?" And he actually laughed and he said he hadn't really ever worked on returning punts until he went to Michigan. So, so whatever that means. But, but no, he he says he, he even admits that he Donovan has some some room to grow as a wide receiver. But, but watching those other teams in the playoffs, it's just ridiculous how good they are. I mean, obviously they have. One of them had a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and, you know, so you have all that going for them. But those are some good games. Yeah, I mean, back to the Rose Bowl for a minute. That, that matchup was just was awesome. And, and, you know, I've been hearing a lot of talk about it. I thought when it even happened that that squib kick right before halftime really did play a, a key factor in that game. Do you guys agree, disagree? What do you think? No. 
for sure. I, that's the dumbest move ever. Yeah. I, I hate it when teams squip kick, and it just, of course, it happens to backfire on it. But I, when does it ever really work? I mean, I yeah, just don't get it. You might as well just kick it out of bounds and give them the ball at the exactly. 35. Exactly. You know? I, I don't, I've never really been a fan of the squip kick either. It's, it's almost like saying you don't trust your kick coverage team, first of all. And then a lot of times, especially in college, the kicker screws it up or something anyway. So I, I've never been a fan of it. I think it definitely did turn turn momentum in that game. Oh, no doubt about it. And also uh, Oklahoma got a little bit conservative in their play calling for sure, especially late. And I don't know about what you guys think, but when it was when they held uh, Georgia to the field goal and then Oklahoma had fourth and one, Man, I was saying at the time, you got to go for it, man. You got this is this is all the marbles. This is to get to the national championship game. There's no guarantee you're going to make a field goal in that situation in college football. I would have gone for it at that first in that first overtime myself. It's easy for me to say here, second guessing after the fact, but I mean, I actually did say that when it was going on. Now this is when they were down by three. You're saying they were down by three okay. in yeah. overtime, fourth down. Come on, boys. Your nuts are against the wall. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's show them that we're the better team, and let's get that yard, and let's go in for a touchdown and end this thing. Well, I think they ran it three times in a row. I know. Didn't they? they that's where it was like, that was the dumb play call that drive, was, I thought. Yeah. Hey, that, that's what Ohio State did last year against Michigan in overtime. They had fourth and one, and they went for it. Got right. It, and then scored a touchdown on the next play. Well, like I said, game, good, so. great coaches have balls, man. you got to go for it. They're men out there, you know. Whether it's whether it's the NFL or college, when it's like fourth and inches like that, when when teams are so quick to either punt it or kick a field goal or whatever, sometimes I always think like, do you really not trust your offense to get five inches? Like if if you don't trust your offense to at least get that little amount of yards, then you must not have any trust in your offense at all. Right. Right, and and again, when you're going for all the marbles and trying to get to a national championship game, man, I, you just got to be aggressive. I'd I'd give a guy kudos to be aggressive and even fail instead of being aggressive and playing too yeah. conservative. I, I hate that. If I was them, I would have wheeled out the tight end. <laughs> there you go, fullback dive. <laughs> <laughs> good good point. Call the year. And then on the other game, you got Alabama. Of course, Nick Saban. You know, he had a week off to prepare. Really, I mean, they were rested, ready to go. I mean, I don't know. I don't see how they're going to get beat in the championship game. What are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I, told, I, I explained it earlier. You know, I got 50 bucks riding on them, so okay. I, that's the way I'm thinking. I mean, you what sold me, I, I didn't even look at any stats, any predictions. I saw a video of them, uh, like, destroying the second-place trophy. That's all I needed to see. <laughs> right. 50 bucks right there. <laughs> that's all I needed. That's all you need to see. Yeah. Nick Saban and them destroying the trophy. That's it. <laughs> what are you, you, you saying Alabama too, Matt? Yeah, I mean – it's hard to go against Saban, especially when you see them just completely dominate Clemson the way that they did. So I, it's hard to go against them. Georgia's legit, though. Georgia's defense is real good, and, and their offense is, is obviously very good, too. But they've got the freshman quarterback, so I'm going to maybe say that, you know, Hurts was a freshman last year, and now Fromm is a freshman this year. So let's go with the team that doesn't have the freshman quarterback this year and go with Bama. Here's a stat for you, too. I, I'm sure you heard it over there at ESPN, but uh, Saban, he is 11-0 and against his former assistants. Make it an yeah. even dozen. 2-0 and against Nick Saban, or against Mark D'Antonio. There you go. <laughs> There's your dig at Michigan State. <laughs> There's the dig at Michigan State, yep. And, and one other thing, guys, in the college football playoffs, okay, we got four Four teams this year. It was pretty good. It, 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 it seems to be working out okay, but isn't it time maybe to go and expand it to eight? I don't even know why we're talking about the 
this quote-unquote national championship with with Bama and Georgia, UCF already claimed themselves as the national <laughs> that champion. That is the so stupidest thing Why do we even seen. play this game on Monday? Yeah. See that is I am I that is the stupidest. I hate how people keep saying that UCF should have had a chance at the Nash. First off, even if we expanded the eight teams, UCF yeah. was what twelfth at the end of the year. Yeah, where people are saying, oh, they still would have get. But well, what you're going to take? You're going to keep Auburn out. That's probably who would have been left out if you put UCF in an eight man playoff. Well, now that we can look at it in hindsight, they beat Auburn. But think about it beforehand. Okay, UCF Auburn had just beat Alabama and Georgia. Who are now? Well, I mean, looking at hindsight, we wouldn't know that Alabama and Georgia are the top two teams in the country. Oh no, I no, I I agree with what you're saying on what the rankings were. Maybe UCF though should have been ranked a little higher than that. I mean, that. you're you're gonna throw a, uh, their best player has one hand. <laughs> you're gonna throw him in. I'm gonna give them extra points for that. Are you kidding their, me? Their best player has one hand. They're putting players on the field with one hand, <laughs> and they're still beating yeah, Auburn. So. Auburn did not care about that game an ounce. That's the reason. That's one reason why they lost. I agree. But you know, think about this: UCF beat Auburn, who beat Alabama and Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that's a legitimate team right there. I think that's the the school's biggest thing was they were saying they shouldn't have been ranked so low, so they should have been in the top eight. And then they were they're saying that every if you expand to eight, then every conference champion should get a an automatic bid and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that, that's how UCF would be in. But and three at large. I, I, I don't know. I think it would be fun to put UCF in a, in a playoff with, with the big boys. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd lo- I mean, it'd be fun. It'd be like I think Uncle Milo Ted was talking to me about it earlier, but um, it would be kind of like a March Madness type thing where, you know, it's kind of like a yeah. Cinderella story that you can root for. I, I, would, I would love to see him in, but I just don't know if I can beforehand. Obviously, looking back now, yeah, they deserve to be in. Right. Like an eight-man playoff. But before right. – you're, trying, you're telling me they're going to kick out, kick out Auburn? I just don't see that. No, you're probably right. but right. For me, it would be tough to give some of these uh, lower conferences an automatic bid because you, you don't know that every season some of these conferences are going to have an undefeated conference champion. So what if what if the conference champion that year has a couple losses? Are you still going to put them in because you have to you know, give them an automatic bid? You know, that, That's where it might start to get a little dicey. Yeah, I agree with that, but I do like the plan. I've I've seen different plans out there. There's one that says 24 teams, which is really intriguing. Uh, it it really would be more of a true March Madness, and uh, the way it laid out was pretty cool. But I think the ideal way is to go with eight teams and play, and, you know, seed them one through eight, obviously, and then have the higher ranked team host the first round game. Yeah, yeah, that's what made sense to me. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah, and you you could start it. You could start it in mid December. You could still give them a week, maybe even two weeks off if you need to. But you could you could start it mid December. To be honest, I think you could take away the conference championship game. Yep. You could just add add a conference game or or add a non conference game, whatever. Um, take the conference championship game away and just expand the playoffs. That's that's what people want to see, really. I agree with that. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, Jeff Strap here, guys. Happy New Year to you, Ted, Mark, and Jerry. Hey, speaking of New Year's, Michigan's Lloyd Carr's team is stuck in neutral. Get it? Car <laughs> neutral? And they had trouble on their Sunday drive to Outback Steakhouse as they choked on a blooming onion. Car should take the whole team out back to the woodshed, and that would include himself and the coaching staff. The sight of Jadavian Clowney stripping the ball from Elvis Gerbach was more than I could take. I'm still a hardball fan, though, as I believe this underwhelming season should motivate everyone in Ann Arbor to come back with a vengeance next fall. 
Uh, Alabama beat Clemson. Okay, big deal. Lou Saban is a hell of a coach. Next, Georgia over Alabama. Now that was a classic, my friends. My wife Jackie watched the game with me, and we've not spent as much time together since we attended a church retreat back in 1987. And guess what? My 45-year-old son, who lives in the basement, his name is Jake, he even came up to catch overtime with us, so we bonded over that game. So I'd like to personally thank Barry Switzer and Shaka Smart for doing a heck of a job preparing their teams. Smart money, though, guys, says that Bama wins the Lombardi Trophy again. And finally, I'd like to comment on the Daryl Strawberry confession. All right, everybody. He confessed that he's a sex addict who had sex between innings. Hey, Daryl, batter up. Hey, Daryl, congratulations. You had more sex between the fifth and seventh inning than I had between July and December. Okay, show you had a habit of rubbing your baseballs during big ball games, and you enjoyed pine tarring your 38-inch back. You call it an addiction. I call it testosterone. It's also called fame and opportunity. If I was 22 and having testosterone-driven fantasies and my fame allowed my dreams to come true, I'd be an addict as well. But rather than be jealous, fellas, we should realize that even Strawberry could not go extra innings. Okay, I think I need a seventh-inning stretch. Take care, guys. All right, hey, one one final thought. Let's go ahead, Jared. You want to talk a little bit about Rich Rod? So, uh, people who are close to me, they know that you know Rich Rod's my guy. So it's definitely painful to see the news, but it was almost impressive. Did you hear that he had his, like his mistress and his uh, wife on the sidelines? <laughs> yeah, they were the juggling him on the sidelines. <laughs> that's the that's the ultimate baller move right there. <laughs> well, he had he had the mistress and his wife on the sideline, but then he had his uh, his like assistant had to stand in the middle of them, too, so they didn't, like, get at each other. Right, kind of shielded them. That was, like, the ultimate power play. Yeah, that's that's asking a lot of an assistant. Now, is that worth $7.5 million? I don't know about that. Now, what do you mean? What's the $7.5 million? Isn't, isn't the assistant suing for the oh, harassment really? for $7.5 mil, I think? <laughs> she is. She is, yep. What was her, like, job uh, description? Do we know? Like a secretary, wasn't she, man? Oh, okay. It basically, yeah, basically a secretary to him, and it <laughs> turned into a lot more, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I had a nephew that actually uh, went to uh, Western West Virginia, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, these rumors were going on way back then that Rich was a player, you know, and th- I think at that time the rumor was, again, Allegedly, he was messing around with a cheerleader at West Virginia. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the reputation has followed him. And today's day and age, obviously, with the sexual harassment and the, the quick triggers to fire people, it was no surprise he got the axe quickly. No, yeah. Like, it's one of those that clearly he's he's guilty when the investigation doesn't take very long. Like, they, they start looking into things and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's this, here's this. He's guilty. Yeah. It doesn't take very long. Probably the seven and six record didn't help either. I think that's what they finished. Yeah. 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 And they had some they had some momentum going like mid season with like they close did. eight. He was like pac twelve after dark, like must watch T V, but uh, yeah, they definitely fell apart at the end of the year. Now he'll do you think he's young enough? You think he'll bounce back and maybe after a couple of years get a job somewhere else? Maybe maybe not a head job, but a uh an assistant, a coordinator job somewhere, or you think he's done? As a coach, I mean, I'd I definitely love to see him be a coordinator. I mean, Michigan, 
We're we're in need. I, I tell you what, I'd rather have uh, uh, him than Dan Enos, if that's true. All right, let's move over to uh, pro football. Talk a little Detroit. Oh, do you have to? Yeah, I think so. I mean, talk Detroit <laughs> Lions. Jim Caldwell finally gone after four years. Really, his overall record wasn't all that bad, thirty six and twenty eight. But uh, this year really was the, where they put the nail in the coffin. I mean, totally underachieved. Yeah, they were banged up a little bit, but they should have done more with that team. Yeah, I had I drank some of that Kool Aid earlier in the season, but really, you look at the teams that's in the playoffs, and you tell me that a healthy Detroit Lions team wouldn't be able to make a serious push to at least a conference championship? I just know. I All I know is that we are going to regret firing Jim Caldwell. You think so? Time. Really? Watch next year. Just watch. Next year we'll be like 5 and, five and uh, let's see, 5 and, what would it be, 5 and 11? Yeah, 16 five and 11. teams. Do your math. Yeah, 5 and 11. <laughs> and, that, and we'll be looking back and saying, wishing that we still had uh, the Caldwell. I don't think so. I really don't. I'm not going that far. But I, I do think I, I I somewhat agree because he's a, he's a coach that is always going to have the Lions. I feel like in the playoff hunt, but is he ever going to get them over the top? I, I don't think he was going to do that. So right, I, I don't know if whoever they hire, are they is he going to have them in the playoff hunt next year? You know who knows. Sure. So I, it could be something that next year we look back and say, hey, maybe Caldwell wasn't that bad. Here is my dream, guys. This is a this is this is a dream that probably won't happen. The odds are probably against it. But you've caught the news about the Patriot games, right? Everything going on in New England. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Belichick, Detroit Lions head coach next season. There's a chance. That's, I, it, that's quite a dream. A lot of rumblings. There's a lot of rumblings about that. I mean, I'm at, yeah, I'm hearing things about that, and when you think about it, okay. If you want to, if, you know, Belichick's had unbelievable success. You know, he's in the name with Lombardi as one of the greatest coaches of all time, right? It's, it's two or three people. He's right there at the top. Okay, he's already done that in New England. All right, he's got problems going on with the Kraft Brady thing. You can see that. This whole Garofalo thing, trading him midseason for a second round draft choice. That's unbelievable, and I know Belichick did not want to go along with that. When yeah. you think about that, why, why on earth, unless Tom Brady's calling the shots, do you get rid of Garofalo midseason when the Patriots go to the playoffs? Brady could go down with a knee injury in the first series of their first playoff game, and you got a guy like Garofalo that could come off the bench and maybe still salvage a season. Well, I think you didn't take into account the uh, TB12 method. He's uh, he's unbreakable. That's he's true, a, too. He's a robot. <laughs> That's all part of the same controversy, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, with, with the doctor being in the locker room and everything like that and Belichick making Brady's doctor go away. Right. It's real weird, all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, scenes it seems like. Because, yeah, like I, I read that uh, the Browns actually had a better package to give the Patriots for Garoppolo, right? But but Belichick basically said, "No, we're not trading you to the Browns. We'll trade you to a better franchise, even if it takes less." Belichick was, has always said that Garoppolo was going to be the next guy; that he was the guy once Brady took over. So, guys, I'm telling you, man. I mean, like I said, he's had all the success in New England. Detroit is starving for a Super Bowl. I mean, just starving. They've got the facilities. They've got the money. they got Quinn as general manager. I mean, 
it makes too much sense to me. You bring if if Belichick does want to leave, okay. Let's say he let's say he's out. Why wouldn't you think about a Detroit Lions job? It's the Lions. That's I, why it's the Lions. Just the curse of the Lions. <laughs> Who the heck would want to go to the Lions? Out of I mean, out of all the potential the jobs, why not go to San Francisco? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think the San Francisco is not open Shanahan, as of now, so they're, they're not firing him. Right. I mean, Graffalo got him five and zero. Right. Yeah. They're going to be a pretty good team. Yeah, they're going to be pretty good. But I, I really think that's a thing. I, I think if you if you took out if you took out the where the the town where the team was everything like that gave them everything you listed the quarterback the roster the the GM everything people would probably say man that's a really intriguing job. Then you say, well, that's the Detroit Lions. Yeah, that's the People negative. Going, eh, I don't know. <laughs> that's the tough part. But, you know, I, it's a dream, like I said. Is it going to happen? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I think you uh, had uh, some uh, Grandpa Bud's uh, cough medicine. <laughs> 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 a little too much. I, uh, just remember this if it happens then. I get I all the accolades, right? See, now, not to kind of go on a sour note about, but I, I searched, uh, you know, potential uh, Lions coaching candidates. First name that pops up. Dave Tube, special teams coordinator for uh, who does he for the does he coach for? Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. Special. So that's, that's the first name that comes up, huh? The special teams coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. So I kind of like Vrabel. Vrabel is he's the court, defensive coordinator for the Patriots, right? For the Houston Texans. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, but he so played Matt, for the Patriots. Matt Matt Patricia is the guy that for the for the Patriots. Yeah, I would love him. Who might come in? Yeah, and that, like that's what people. He seems to be the leading candidate because him and him and Bob Quinn are are pretty close. But he's never been a head coach. That's a negative. He's a, he's a good de- defensive coordinator. So it's just kind of is he going to be that young, you know, like Jim Schwartz type of thing? That young young hot coordinator come in but not really have a handle on the team. You know, so I I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, there's not there's not really a candidate out there except for Bill Belichick. That, that's real yeah. exciting to me. I want Bill Belichick. Without a doubt. Hey, by the way, you need players, not only a coach. And is there any any possible way they could put a deal together to move up in the draft far enough to get Barkley? Oh, I would love that. That's but, what I want to see. And that, I was talking to some buddies about it earlier, and we were saying that, you know, that that's one thing that basically since Barry Sanders left, they've, they've had a couple of decent running backs here and there. But since Barry Sanders left, they haven't had that, like, consistent game-changing running back. They've kept trying to draft these dudes that haven't panned out, and it's like at some point, go up there and get someone like Saquon Barkley. If you have to trade up, go get him. Because I feel like that's one of the major pieces that they're missing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would trade whatever draft choices you got to move up. Maybe throw in Golden Tate if you have to. But I, I would. How dare you? I would do that. I would. I, Barkley impresses me that much, and they need a guy like that. Somebody they need somebody other than a five nine, two hundred pounder. They a need real, somebody that can take the load. They need a realistic guy that they get without having to you know trade too okay. much. I think would be uh, Darius Geis from uh, LSU. That guy's a stud. He's like he's kind of like falling off the map a little bit his senior year. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. I mean, I saw him in the, his bowl game like his whatever last year. I'm not sure if he, what what grade he's in. But right. He just was like mowing down guys. I mean, he, this guy is the second coming of Leonard Fournette, if you ask me. So he's a bit. He's big. Yeah. I'm. Well, I mean, big I'm and fast. At his credentials right now. Uh, five. Uh, six foot. Uh, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Okay, so I mean, decent that's decent size. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's basically like Leonard Fournette. He's an underclassman, so he hasn't he hasn't declared for the draft yet. But um, I think a lot of people are thinking he is going to come out. 
but he he kind of fell off this year. People have always said that he doesn't really have a very good work ethic. So I, I don't know. That that's some of the knock on him. But he does look like Leonard Fournette, and Leonard Fournette's one of the best running backs in the league right now. Yeah, so he, he had a heck of a year. The two kids that you're going to see on Monday in the national championship with Georgia, Sony Michelle and and Nick Chubb, they both look really good too. So so the the running back class this year in the in the draft is deep. Yeah, I'll take either one of those Georgia backs. Yeah, they're pretty good. Here's another thing, fellas, in, in NFL football. I mean, what do you think about the contract of Gruden? He's leaving your company there, Matt, heading over to the Raiders. I, I heard he signed a 10-year deal for $100 million. $100 million guaranteed, too. I, I know. You th- I, I don't get it. I mean, I understand he, at, at you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, he was one of the best coaches in the league, but he hasn't been on the sidelines in 10 years. You're going to give him $100 million? All right. That's da- Davis money. I think he'll. I personally, though, I think he'll do pretty good there. I mean, he. I think he'll. He'll do fine. You know, it's a team that went down this year for whatever reason, but I think they still have a lot of talent there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Derek Carr was hurt most of the year, so that's probably part of it. But I, I just wonder. You know, has has the game cha- game changed? You know, as far as the coaching aspect of it from the last time he was coaching, and really, he he won the one Super Bowl. So I'm not taking any credit away from him at all, but if you like, he came into the the Bucks team after Dungey yeah. had built that team. That's true, and and won a Super Bowl with basically Dungey's team. So I, it's not taking anything away from him, but overall, he was basically a 500 coach. He does have the one Super Bowl though, so I guess you can't take that away from him. So I don't know. I was just kind of surprised to see that kind of money thrown at him. More importantly, especially from your perspective there at ESPN, Matt. Who's going to replace him in Monday Night Football? Yeah. That, that's the biggest question. I mean, I, I think I put in my resume. So, uh, <laughs> Jared's working on his. Yeah. I'm too yeah, old. I'll, I'll put in a good word. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll send in a podcast for you. Perfect. See what they think. Well, Peyton Manning's got to be the number one choice, right? I mean, if, if at all he wants to get into the booth, I mean, he'd be ideal, wouldn't he? Especially after, after how good everyone uh, or how good Romo did this year for CBS and how much everyone liked liked him. I think a lot of people are saying Peyton's got to get in there for Monday Night Football. Yeah, if I was ESPN, I'd go full tilt for him. Yeah, i get uh, Sergio Dip in there. You know who Sergio Dip is? <laughs> Fill me in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that guy was great. Vance Joseph having the time of his life. Did you see that video? Was that on Barstool? This was the first week. This was like opening Monday night, like Broncos versus. Yeah. Uh, he just like was stumbling over his words. I mean, I I can see if I can find it, the soundbite really quick, but he was just really struggling. Who are you talking about? He's a he's a Deportes guy. And he oh, was, but, yeah, he was trying to do a sideline report, and it just it did not go well. <laughs> but he played it off well. He he like made fun of himself. Yeah, that was a good. PR had, move. had fun with it. So well, we agree. Peyton Manning be number one, but what you know, I I kind of like Randy Moss. Do you think they, they would give him a shot? As a color commentator, I'm not yeah, sure because awesome. he's really good on on, <laughs> on, the, on countdown and everything like that. But yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. He probably would be either. good. Yeah, well, he impressed yeah, me on other, countdown. I, I haven't really thought about uh, outside of Peyton Manning. I, I just thought he would be the the number one choice. Yeah, hopefully they don't come back with somebody that like an also ran like Boomer Esiason, who I think does the radio on Monday Night Football. Yeah. But I think they need somebody here. I'm telling you what, how your job should be run there, Matt. So you know, take it as you will. Uh, they need somebody with some pizzazz. Somebody that's just yeah. going to really like a John Madden type. You know, somebody that's going right. to bring some listeners or some viewers to the games because I think Monday Night Football actually the ratings have been kind of down, haven't they? 
Yeah, they they have been because the matchups haven't been good at all. Right. And I think Sunday night football really took a little bit of the luster away, too. For sure, because it seems like Sunday night football gets a lot of the maybe like tier one matchups and Monday night football gets the scraps almost. So, yeah, yeah, it's taken a hit a little bit. But that's why why Gruden was so good. People would almost tune in to listen to Gruden. So that will be a big loss. Yeah, I like the I like the way he called a game. He's entertaining, you know, and I I like the way Romo does it. Chris Collinsworth is good as they, as good as they get too, you know. I I like Collinsworth a lot. People hate on him, but I I love listening to him and Al Michaels. That I could listen to them call a football game all the time. Oh yeah, you know it's a big time game when they're doing it, and they they just got a good chemistry and know what they're talking about. Yep. Who's your favorite, Jared? Who's your favorite? Uh, Tony Romo, no by doubt. Far? And I felt felt bad for him. He had to. Uh, Broadcast the Lions game this past uh, weekend, which you were at, which I'm kind of curious. He didn't. He didn't do that game. I think. Uh, yeah. No. No. Or no. Was he doing? He's doing the Bills. Correct? Yeah. He's doing Bills Patriots. Because yeah. Dick Stockton, who's 75 years old, did the play-by-play yeah, of the so, Lions game. Yeah. So yeah, that just shows you I kind of wasn't really watching it. I was kind of flipping back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I was actually fighting with my dad over. Uh, I wanted to watch Bills Patriots, <laughs> and he wanted to watch. That must have been where my mind got confused. I was. He wanted to watch Lions. Yeah. He wanted to watch the Lions. Uh, yeah. You didn't have to bring it up, but yeah, I actually was at the Lions, and, and I bought the tickets Thanksgiving weekend. I was down doing the high school game, the state championship with Puamo Westphalia, and I thought, you know, let me see what tickets they have available here because you don't have to pay any fees or anything, uh-huh. and Lions were still in the hunt, and I thought, I'm going to roll the dice and buy some tickets for the Lions-Packers week 16, yeah. get to the playoffs, and then they had to go to Cincinnati. Now, what was the like vibe like there? Vibe was terrible. It was. That's, I was going to ask you that. What was the vibe like? Were people really that into it? No, well, no. Now, now, do they still have? It was guy, still fun. Do they still have like the marching down the? Field? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, that, that guy. guy's awesome. <laughs> Gridiron oh, Heroes. That's yeah. the name of the song, oh, man. Is it? That's yeah, awesome. yeah. They do that, and they have cheerleaders now. You know. Oh nice. And we were in the lower bowl, so we had good view, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like. Uh, they do it upright. It's been a while since I've been to a Lions game, but you know when they have the TV timeouts, I mean, they, there's the entertainment stuff going on on the field. So I mean, it was a good time. It was mellow though. It wasn't like yeah. playoff atmosphere, but it's always good to beat the Packers. Let's mm-hmm. admit it. Yeah. You know, Rodgers or no Rodgers, Ford Field's a great place to watch a game. It's always fun to go there and watch a Lions game. Oh yeah, it's a first class facility. I mean, I I think that's part of the thing that's going to entice Belichick to show up there. That's what I'm saying, and Matt Stafford. Amen, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, of, just I kind of yeah, just this kind that just kind of rung my bell. Why is no one no criticism at all of Matt Stafford? I think well, there's a lot of criticism of Matt Stafford. Yeah, there's been Thank criticism. I, saw, I, I like I said, a lot I mean, of people are banging on him. I saw a classic tweet. It was uh, it was like something like uh, Stafford's been getting paid like 100 million, and he's never had to work past like Martin Luther King's day. Oh. Like, quite a job if you can get it. I, that's just a classic tweet. You know, all the haters out there. I'm still. I'm going to take his side. You got to. It, it takes more than a quarterback, and I think he's done his fair share. How many fourth quarter comebacks have we seen no, with Matt know. Stafford leading them to the win? I mean, he's a clutch performer. They need some other sorry asses on that team that knows how to play football. I, I mean, frankly. You know, Jared and and Matt, I've been around forever. I'm the old guy of the crew here. (laughs) Stafford, head and shoulders, is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in Honolulu blue and silver. I kind of kid, but it it is kind of funny when you think about it. Yeah. Never worked past Martin Luther. He's making $100 million. Yeah. What a job. I mean, it's it's just tough for him, you know. I mean, yeah, it's not tough to cash your paycheck, but uh, he's a competitor. And have you watched how he has evolved 
physically from when he first came into the league and how he plays right now, when he's at the line of scrimmage, he's he's like Peyton Manning now, the way he can you know read the defenses, make the calls. I mean, he's a top five quarterback without a doubt. Wow. That's what I think. I really do. So, so, so. so you think so too, Matt? I do. I think. I think if he well, look at the numbers. Number one, when he's at the top, when he's at the top of his game, he's a top five quarterback. Now he definitely has some games. He had some games this year where you're just shaking your head the whole time, kind of wondering what the heck is going on. True. But I think when he's at the top of his game, he, he's a top five quarterback, and I think that's what might entice some coaches, Belichick, some top level coaches, Belichick, Belichick. Yeah, to come to Detroit. Because they might say, like, okay, we've got a good GM, and then you've you've got an established quarterback. So, and I also think they got a they got a pretty solid defense. I mean, they don't have to fill too many holes there. I don't think. Yeah, and that's one thing actually that that Jared's guy, Matt Patricia, the guy with the Patriots, that's what he said. One thing that might intrigue him to come to Detroit is Jared Davis. He said he thinks Detroit's defense is pretty good, yeah, and they have a budding star in Jared Davis. Yes. So, so, you know, you, you got that, and then you've got a, an established veteran quarterback in, in Stafford. So it, I think Detroit is an intriguing place for a coach. Belichick. Bring him in. All right, guys. Hey, look, uh, we're, we've been rolling along some good stuff here. But let's get to our three-point poll. How's that sound? Our three-point poll for this week was the all-time three State of Michigan sports moments. And we had some pretty good feedback on Twitter, but let's get our, our picks here on the table first. Who wants to go first? The youngest? Uh, I'll go. Um, yeah, so these are some of my favorite, personal favorite moments. So first off, uh, this one's pretty obvious, I think. Uh, Michigan State losing to Middle Tennessee State 90-81 <laughs> uh, last year in the March Madness tournament. Uh, the reason this one was so special to me is I just remember, so we were at track practice, we couldn't watch it, and I think it was like a 4 o'clock, you know how March Madness is kind of right, like the right. times. So I just remember we were all like kind of checking on our phone, watching on like Watch ESPN app, and I just remember all my, you could tell the moment like Michigan State, like it was it was done, like I just remember looking at Cooper Clive's heart just like breaking like right in my eyes. <laughs> I, that will forever be etched into my memory, just all-time moment. Uh, number two, uh, Michigan State versus Bama, 49-7 to was the score here. This was the, like, Capital One Bowl. And this one, just the reason I love this one, a couple reasons. So, Johnny Adams, uh, he, like, before the game, which was Michigan State's corner, Johnny Adams, I just remember he was, like, calling out saying he wants Julio Jones, wants Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones ends up torching him for 150 yards, two <laughs> TDs. And then yeah. another reason I loved it is because this was, like, Bama did not care at all about this game. They were 9-3. and three. This is, like, their worst year under Saban, almost. And this this is Michigan State Super Bowl. Oh, we're going against Bama, Capital One Bowl. This is the year they just lost to Wisconsin in the uh, Big Ten Championship. And you just saw an uninterested team, a Bama team, just absolutely roll, roll Michigan State. And then kind of in the same uh, number three, Michigan State versus Bama, uh, college football playoff, thirty-eight to squat. This is another great one. <laughs> I was wondering if this would, if this is going to be number three. And this is uh, follow, yeah, following MSU. They just, MSU had just like a couple weeks. Well, they beat Iowa after the Ohio State game. But quick side note: Urban Meyer. That might have been the worst coach game I've ever seen in my life. Ohio State versus uh, Michigan State that year. Just like no creativity. They only gave the ball to Ezekiel Elliott like what twelve times, I think. Right. And then, but just my favorite, uh, you can look up this on, like, Twitter, but Derrick Henry just, Shalik Calhoun, kind of like Michigan State's hero on defense, Derrick Henry just sent him, like, he did, like, a barrel roll after he stiff-armed into the dirt. <laughs> just oh. the all-time favorite moment. So those are my three favorite. What about you guys? Well, let me, that's a good good uh, point right here to throw one of our Twitter followers on here, Miggy, at incognito <laughs> underscore Miggy. 
He's got the opposite look at this as his favorite is 1994 Colorado quarterback Cordell Stewart and the 75-yard Hail Mary pass at the big house. That was one of his favorites. It was a wild throw, 75 yards. Oh, unbelievable. And then uh, 2007, Appalachian State blocks a field goal at the gun to beat Michigan at the big house. And uh, along the same vein, 2015, Sparty blocks a punt and returns it for a TD at the gun against U of M at the big house. I just remember that Appalachian State game. I was like in like first grade. Right. I just, uh, <laughs> I just remember tears, soaking in tears as <laughs> like an eight-year-old just <laughs> crying myself to sleep. Just, I, I was crying for like an hour after that It game. was pretty bad. Well, how about you, Matt? What do you got? Those are all some pretty good ones. I, I don't know if I can tell who's the Michigan State fan and who's the Michigan fan out of yeah. uh, Jared and, and that, that's Miggy. Miggy. right? Yeah. Uh, I, for me, uh, a personal one that I'm, I'm thinking of moments that I've seen myself. Obviously, there, there's stuff like the 84 World Series and, and some other moments that came before my time. But if I'm thinking of moments that I saw, Maglio Ordonez hitting a walk-off home run to send the Tigers to the World Series was one of the coolest things yeah. I ever saw, um, especially as a Tigers fan. They had gone through the 90s and everything being so terrible in the early 2000s. To see them go to the World Series and, and finally do something for real, that that was really cool to me. Yeah, quite uh, a few of our Twitter followers had that as well. That was a good one. Yeah, that was. Um, obviously, Charles Woodson, he's, he's one of my favorite uh, Michigan players of all time. That, that, watching that whole 90s, I went to – Went to a couple games that 97 season, and watching them win the national championship was pretty awesome. After that, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm kind of torn between, like, the bad boys and the Fab Five. Um, I mean, those are those are the two basketball teams that I, like, grew up on watching. So I don't know if I could pick between the two of them. I might say just the Fab Five in general. Um, but, you know, they didn't win any championships, so it's kind of tough. That was a great two um, years, though, wasn't it? Uh, I loved it. It was, I mean, I, I was pretty young, but I, I understood it. I was, I was in into that very much. And they changed the face of college basketball. I mean, they really did with the long shorts, the black socks, the bravado they had. I mean, just think if they would have won two national championships, you know. And, but we always have to look back at it as they blew it, you know. Obviously, the freshman year, that Duke team was was just yeah. a better team than them, but right? Yeah, that, that year against North Carolina, they they really should have won that game. Yeah, they, I think they were definitely a better team, and it didn't. It wasn't just the timeout either. By the way, I mean, they should have been oh, no. ahead, and you know, it was, they still had no guarantee to win that game, even if Weber didn't call the timeout. And I really, I never was really a humongous Chris Weber fan at all, but uh, I, I like Jalen Rose myself from that team. He was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jalen was a guy. I've, I've still got the Michigan jersey. I got. Um, they're in the Fab Five years, number five, and I have his. Uh, I even got his rookie jersey with the Nuggets. So I, I was a big Jalen Rose fan. Yeah, he's not bad on ESPN either. No, he's a great guy. I, I met him a couple times. I actually had a, a Thanksgiving dinner with him once because he was he was around Bristol. Wow. And doing doing NBA coverage, and um, it was Thanksgiving time, and he he just came up to everyone who was working. and was like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm around for." Around for Thanksgiving, what are y'all up to? So people are like, "Well, we're getting ready for dinner. You, you want to come out?" So he just came and kicked it, and he, he's like a normal guy. He really is, just yeah. like a normal dude who's six foot eight and was part of the Fab Five. Awesome. So, <laughs> Did you fanboy at all when you met him? No, no. That that's the thing. I, I 
I mean, the first time I saw him, I did a little bit because I was like, "Oh shit, that's, that's Jalen Rose, man!" But but he was he was just like so cool. Like he he made he made it easy to not fanboy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's cool. Real nice guy. Well, I'm the old guy in the bunch, and uh, I'll give you mine. My number one, without a doubt, same as my dad. Let me guess it real quick. Go ahead. Detroit Lions uh, 1955 championship. Oh, no. Even 57. 57, no. That's not number one, by the way. Your dad will like this. The 83 Corona Cavalier State Championship. That's my number one greatest sports moment, man. That was incredible. I know, obviously, neither one of you were around for that, right? Were you even born in 83, man? I know Jared wasn't. I wasn't, no. Okay, yeah. That was an incredible time. to Think about it. Our alma mater. Okay, you know. Whole team of, of slow white guys, but they could jump, you know? Yep. Go, they went down and beat Oak Park in the Class B state championship. Nobody thought they had a chance. In fact, in their uh, district opener against Durand, you guys might not realize this. Maybe Jared yeah, I know, does. I've heard this story. I yeah. mean, they're tied 45 45 with their arch nemesis, the Durand Railroaders, and Durand's best player gets fouled by who? Yeah, my brother dad, John, yeah. Jared's dad, and he misses the front end of a one and one in a tie ball game with one second to go. It goes to overtime. Corona wins. They pretty much roll the table, going all the way to the state finals, and then uh, came back and beat Oak Park in comeback fashion. It was just—I mean—it's incredible. I get chills thinking about that '83 team. It was awesome. I, I was watching that. So we had like a team dinner last year, and we were watching the film. Yeah. And it's—I it was, was just cracking up. The uh, short shorts and high the, socks. Just, there's a lot of stuff that's funny about that game. But <laughs> Tim Stout you, on calling the, on the call. Yeah, you just watch it, and like, and my dad, my dad almost just got like blended like three different times. <laughs> just he's—he was like falling over one time. Uh, he, like this, I don't know who that. Do you know the name of the yeah, guy? Yeah, Freddie Marshall. Up? Freddie Marshall was tearing him up in the first half. He yeah. was. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, I shouldn't talk. My dad was probably way better of a basketball player than I ever was. But well, it's just did. hilarious looking back at. It. He's just getting, just roasted. He, but he, he got it together in the second half, though, and he hit some key free throws down the stretch, really, to help him win too. My number two, uh, my number two is this is this will tell you I'm an old guy. 1968 Tigers World Series Game Seven win. It was just incredible coming back from three to one. I mean, that was a great team. I'd say, I don't mention maybe the 84 Tigers, but the 68 Tigers, you know, you guys have your teams. 68 Tigers were my team. You know, you could, I could tell you every starter on that team, the bench players to this day. And then my the tie for third, I'm going to have to say the Pistons 89 bad boys sweep against Magic's Lakers. I mean, that was a great yeah. moment. And, you know, I also had to throw – Kind of tied with that, the 97 Red Wings Stanley Cup after so many years not, not winning the Cup. No, yeah. the bad some good ones. Those yeah. Some good ones for sure. Bad Boy, the, to talk about the Bad Boys, they have some of the sweetest gear. Like the, those old Bad Boys logos and hats oh, yeah. and sweats, those are some of the coolest stuff. Did you watch the 30 for 30? Yeah. Oh, oh so great. Talk about physicality in the NBA, huh? Yeah. They were brutal. Could you imagine if there was a team that tried to play like that in today's NBA? Oh, no, I know. It's it's a whole different game, isn't it? I mean, the only guy that I think one of the guys nowadays that could play that way maybe is LeBron. Draymond? I could play that way. Yeah, Draymond he'd, he'd could. He'd about getting touched every time, but he could play that way. Right. Physically, he could play that way. But, the heck, there's nobody that, that really plays in that style. I, I can't let that go. Go so, ahead. So, Matt, you're, you're, one of the, you're one of those guys, oh, is this the a LeBron late? haters. I'm not a LeBron hater. I, I used to be a big LeBron hater, but I, I'm not really a LeBron fan, but, I mean, I'm – 
I can recognize he's a top three player of all time. Yeah. I just think he definitely whines a lot. <laughs> he gets fouled. He's so, he's just so strong that he's, he gets fouled every play. He's just so strong that it doesn't affect him. He's virtually unstoppable when he gets the ball and takes it full court, isn't he? How, how do you stop that? It's, it's crazy how he can he, – he, he's been in the league – what, 12, 13 years now, and right. he's still basically at the top of his game. It, it's impressive what he's doing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this NBA season, without a doubt. I mean, uh, Golden State... I the smartest career move he's ever made is staying in the Eastern Conference, though. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. If he ever would have went to the Western Conference, I don't know if he would have went to so many uh, finals, but, but hey, good for him. One thing, guys, we didn't talk about much about any high school... Uh, sports right now but there's a great documentary you ought to check out sometime it's called jordanville it's about a 30 minute uh, doc and it's about a kid back in the mid 60s from fenville michigan and i kind of remember when i was young but if you get a chance check it out on youtube it's called uh, jordanville and this kid richie richie jordan averaged 44.4 points his senior year and he was five foot seven, and he had this one-handed jump shot. It was just deadly, and there was no three-point line in those days. And he he was forty-four points a game. It's an amazing documentary. So if you get a chance, our little high school segment here tonight, check out uh, Jordanville. He looks pretty yoked. I'm just looking at some of his highlights. Uh, yeah, definitely 1960s. It's oh yeah, <laughs> got the short shorts and the high socks, right? But he's built. He he was like a, a weightlifter, you know. They, nobody did that stuff back in those days. Five foot seven, like I said, and just was a phenomenal athlete. I mean, I don't I don't care how you do it. If you average forty four points a game, that's impressive. His last high school game was against Bridgman. It was a regional opener. He still has the state tournament record, sixty points in a losing cause. They lost one hundred one to ninety one. He scored sixty of the ninety one points. Damn. All with a one-handed jump shot? Can you imagine? Yep. 1960s, people people watching this, they probably would have thought it was like witchcraft. 101 (laughs) to 91. I I know. And no three-point line. He was a tremendous player. So anybody listening, look up Jordanville. That's that's our final thought for tonight. That sound good? Yeah, it sounds good. All right, guys. That's it for now, everybody. Please remember, share this with your friends. Give us your feedback. You can tweet me at Z92.5SportsGuy. How about you, Matt? Yeah, tweet me, BurnZ381. And Jared. And uh, at FastX Sports underscore. All right, guys. We also really appreciate the feedback that we've gotten already. This is our second podcast, and we look for many more. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan and FastX Sports production with special consideration provided by Z92.5 The Castle. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast. <laughs>